0: Hello and welcome to B2B Better, the only podcast focused on helping B2B marketers do better marketing through content, community, and social media. My name is Jason Bradwell, and every week I sit down with Whip Smart Marketing leaders to talk about what it takes to build an audience strategy that scales from day one, and that also delivers real business results, not vanity metrics. If you've come here for theory, then you may be in the wrong place. Each episode is packed to the rafters with actionable insights and takeaways that you can put into practice today. Let me help you be better than boring. Here we go. And today on B2B Better, I'm very excited to be joined by Katie Cacciani, Digital Media Director for Media Associates. How are you doing, Katie?
1: Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me on.
0: It's such a pleasure to have you on. You are a guest that was recommended to me by a mutual friend of ours, Claire Kennedy, who was a previous guest on B2B Better. You both worked with each other at Forrester, if I'm not mistaken, right?
1: Yes, yes. We worked together at Forrester on the digital marketing team. Um, and before that, we were at Serious Decision. So have have a great um, relationship with Claire and we worked together on a lot of initiatives with employee advocacy and social selling.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, we had Claire on, as I mentioned, to talk about employee advocacy. On that episode, which I'll drop a link to in the description of this one, we spoke generally about employee advocacy and the what it is and the why it's important. And with you today, we're going to be digging a little bit into, we're going to be going one level deeper and digging a little bit into how to effectively engage and onboard uh, employees into an employee advocacy program. But before we jump into that, tell me a little bit about your current role, because you're not at Forrester anymore, and uh, and what you do there.
1: Yeah, so I actually, yes, I recently switched gears. I had always been in-house digital and social media marketing, but really wanted to explore different industries. So now I am digital media director at Media Associates, which is um, a media agency based out of Connecticut.
0: So you've gone from in-house to agency, yes. you've now sat both <laughs> sides of the aisle. How's that experience been?
1: So it was a huge learning curve for me, I must say. Doing my bread and butter is B2B. So kind of jumping into new industries like healthcare, online universities, even some cool B2C companies selling products. So it's really great. Um, kind of learning the different marketing techniques and strategies and buyer personas across all of these different industries and kind of creating these really out-of-the-box campaign strategies for them. So I'm taking a lot of what I learned at Serious Decisions and Forrester over to Media Associates because, you know, I have been the person working directly with the agency. So I kind of have that client perspective too. So it's been really great so far. It's really exciting. Like I said, it's a huge learning curve. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm learning something new every day, but that's exciting to me. So
0: yeah, absolutely, I've always, I've always worked in house, just just like you. And it's one of the reasons why I think I enjoy working with agencies and freelancers so much is that, as you mentioned there, the experience they have across industries, across channels, mm-hmm. different strategies can be so invaluable to an in-house team. I don't know how you feel about this, having spent most of your career working in-house. Sometimes it can become a little bit of an echo chamber when you're working with the same people day in, day out. You get a sense of what works. You don't want to rock the boat too much and take too many risks, especially when you've got a team that worked with each other for, for a long time. Bringing in an agency or a freelancer can just help things, prevent things from getting a little bit stale.
1: Absolutely agree with that. One of the things that I'm doing as part of leading up the the digital team, specifically for social media, is kind of understanding our clients a little bit better from a social media perspective. Each of these clients have unique target buyer personas. They have really doing any marketing on social media. So, we kind of have to take a step back in some of these cases and educate the clients on why we should explore marketing maybe on YouTube, why we should maybe see if we have any prospects on TikTok or Twitter or something like that. Just because you've been doing your marketing and your advertising one way for a long time doesn't mean that there's not other opportunities out there and that you're target audience doesn't have a presence in on, on these online communities.
0: 100%. And I know mm-hmm. that you and I have spoken a little bit in the past and I know that we could do a full episode on agency versus in-house. And in fact, before we started recording today or before I before we decided what we were going to be recording on, I did a Twitter poll because after our first conversation we had so many different ideas on the things that we could be talking about employee advocacy, paid media, the relationship between client between agency in-house. I did a Twitter poll and I asked the public what do you want to hear from from Katie on this episode and the in-house versus agency one was a close second, but employee <laughs> advocacy just pipped it so, that's what we're gonna be talking about today. For the benefit of people who haven't listened to that episode with Claire, just give us a high, level a high level overview of employee advocacy, why it's beneficial and the types of companies who may be most interested in using it as a strategy.
1: Sure, so when I'm explaining employee advocacy, I, it's kind of when the employee of a company authentically advocates and supports the company that they're working for in an, from an individual perspective. So a lot of times, employee advocacy goes hand in hand with social selling. So for example, employee advocacy can be something as small as sharing a news story where your company is mentioned or featured, or it could mean going as far as doing a LinkedIn live and sharing your positive thoughts on a recent campaign that your company did, or sharing your thoughts on a new product they release there's different levels of employee advocacy and it can mean something different for all different roles across the organization but i think it's important to to note that there are different levels and it's okay to kind of do something as small as sharing content To if you are very active on social media then do something bigger um, you have the community and you're already engaging do a live interview, share a blog, something like that. Just make sure that it aligns with your company's message. You obviously want to make sure that your message aligns with what the company is their their brand voice as well. So.
0: You, you mentioned a term there, social selling. So just to be clear, the distinction between employee advocacy and social selling, as you say, is employee advocacy could be simple as someone just resharing a, a post from the brand or publishing a story you know, that they may have been mm-hmm. mentioned on in the media. Social selling is a more concentrated effort where people are actually using their personal social media channels to sell the products and services that their company sells, I'm guessing, right?
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I would also say for for social selling that there's more of a strategy involved there too. So yeah, you do have that that selling mindset. So maybe you're not just sharing your thoughts on something, maybe you're driving someone to a, a lead form, a landing page where you want to get their information. That's more of a social selling technique when you want to kind of engage with that person more, find out more information about them, get them to show interest, so.
0: Okay, yeah. before, we, before we dive a little bit into training, training, I say with air quotes, staff on, on how to do employee advocacy. I, I want to pick your brains a little bit on the, c- can employee advocacy happen without a marketing team being involved?
1: Yes. And, and I'll say that because there's so much content that already exists that's out there that you don't necessarily need a marketing team to help you through it. If the, if the message is on the brand's social media channel or on their website, then you know that it is approved content. So you can kind of copy and paste that to your, to your social media post and maybe change the language a bit, put your own spin on it, add your own thoughts. As long as it aligns with that message, then you're good. I think that there's a lot of misconception there that you have to have this dedicated marketing function in order to really take advantage of employee advocacy. I definitely think it helps, but you just got to think that we have the content. How can I repurpose it? Maybe, maybe the maybe the social media team or the marketing team or the creative team can build you guys some some templates that you can use on social media, where you can kind of what's in the brand colors. It has the brand watermark on it. Um, i have come from an in-house marketing team. I would be super excited when someone would come up to me and ask me for advice on how they should engage with their their uh, prospects on social media. Hey, can you build me a template? Would love to do that. We're always looking for ways that you know we can broaden our message through our employees.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned something there that I'm sure we're going to dig a little bit more into over the course of this of this recording about how you know the brand publishes something wow. and someone can repost that reshare that feeling confident that it's approved content right. and one of the things that you know I've come across in the past from from my colleagues is almost a fear even in those situations where they are seeing something shared you know across brand channels on whether they're allowed to publish something across their, across their own personal channels. And you know, can I throw a little bit more color or commentary on top of that in terms of the post and kind of where, where are the limits there? So as I say, I'm sure we're going to dig a little bit more into that, helping people get over that kind of confidence barrier that seems to crop up. But before we dig into that, tell me, so assuming that you've got a group of people who are willing and engaged and ready to take part in an employee advocacy campaign that is in this instance being you know, run by marketing or at least coordinated mm-hmm. by marketing. Mm-hmm. Talk me through some of the kind of strategies and tactics that you'd employ to train them up so that they're ready to, to be let loose on social media.
1: Sure. So one thing I, I would start with kind of like an audit, a general audit of the employee's social media presence. So if, if an AE is active on LinkedIn, but not so much on their Twitter account, they don't have to use Twitter. Take advantage of the one platform that you're comfortable with and that you're already posting content to so you're not kind of starting from scratch. So that's one of the, the you know, right out of the right out of the gate you should focus on the social media channel that you're most comfortable with and also hopefully that matches where your clients and your prospects are too. And with whatever social media platforms you intend to use, Make sure that your profile is complete and optimized so all of the information on your, in your bio is up to date. Take advantage of using some creative templates to kind of showcase your personality through your, your header. Make sure your, your, your photo is professional to some degree, but look friendly. And also do a quick audit of the content that you've posted in the past. So maybe there's a tweet or two that you wouldn't want a prospect or client to see. So if you are, you know, utilizing a social media platform that you've been using for several years, just make sure that you do a quick audit of the content that you have on there. We all know that stuff resurfaces, so (laughs) be careful there. And then also, what are other people in your position doing on social media? So kind of look for best practices out there. How are they engaging with clients? What type of content are they posting? What is the frequency of their posts? I think that's really important to kind of see what others are doing. It's it's easy to tell the folks that are good at social selling and employee advocacy. So follow those people. They're the types of, that's the type of engagement that you want to get to eventually also monitor keywords and hashtags that are relevant to your target personas as a social listening tech you don't necessarily need a robust paid for platform there's a lot of free tools out there that allows you to that allow you to monitor certain hashtags conversations and keywords and then also join online communities where your target buyers are even if it's just from a a listening perspective and don't think that you have to stay on all of the big channels maybe there's an opportunity on reddit or quora or tiktok or something like that you never know so just do your research and i think that's a great way to kind of start and then the rest kind of just will come naturally
0: yeah what when, when When it comes to the actual training itself, do you think that's better given to a group of people or given at, on a one to one individual basis?
1: Well, I would say individual, but that's just not realistic. So unless you your your company has a dedicated team for this specifically, i don't I don't see the marketing team necessarily having the bandwidth to give individual trainings. But I think that you could also do instead of that, you can do trainings by team or role or department. So EAs uh, um, should be trained separately from someone that in recruitment or marketing, because with different roles comes different social media goals and strategies and target personas. So if you align your training with the the role and the, the target audience, then a lot of people, that kind of sets a baseline for that team. And then from there, it might make sense to do kind of tiered trainings dependent on where that employee is in their their social media skill level. That's something that's going to be kind of like an inconsistency across the board for, I mean, everyone's going to be different there. There's going to be people that use social media all day, every day, there are going to be some that don't even have a Twitter profile. So as long as, that, as long as you're tailoring the training to the role and the target persona, a lot of the, the skill can kind of come naturally from there.
0: Mm. I mean, thinking about the people who are probably listening to this podcast who typically are working in small marketing teams, as you say, kind of limited bandwidth, limited budget, juggling a lot of different balls, spinning a lot of different plates, don't necessarily have even a day, a week, to devote to something like employee advocacy. Seems like for that group of people, whilst EA and social selling is obviously a worthwhile endeavor, we all know the kind of benefits Mm -hmm. it can provide, um, picking your battles is key. And, And the way I see it, if you have to focus in on training, there are kind of three camps that you may want to start with targeting. One is, as you say, the the seniority and the position of the people. Let's say Mm -hmm. that your executive team, you just know that you need to get them more out there in the public Mm -hmm. domain. You know, your CEO, CFO, CO, they just need to be seen more on social media talking about the trends of the industry. They could be a good group to target with some one-on-one training. Second, Second group would be... Those already adept at social media, and you touched on this already, the ones that already are killing it across their own personal channels and perhaps with a little bit of guidance and support from, mm-hmm. from their marketing team can really become superstars when it comes to when it comes to EA and social selling. And then the third group, and this is the one that I've tend, tended to in my experience, try and help are the willing, you know, those who may not necessarily be superstars, social superstars yet, but can really recognize the fact that. If I, can, if I can unlock the formula to being more effective on social media, not only is it going to open up huge benefits and opportunity for my brand, but it's also going to open up huge benefits and opportunity for me as an individual. And mm-hmm. um, it makes me think about a salesperson I worked with once where, you know, all the other salespeople I was trying to get on board on an EA campaign weren't weren't having it. They just didn't have the time. And then I wrote a couple of posts with this person, published it on social media, engaged in a few conversations, and I opened up a bunch of leads for them, inbound leads. And then suddenly, uh, all the salespeople are hitting up my inbox saying, "Hey, we want a little piece of that, right?" So you know, if you're trying to get that credibility within your organization that hey, this is something we need budget and bandwidth for. You know, that that third group, the willing, could be a good place to start, would you say?
1: That's a great point, Jason. I'm glad that you touched on that. Claire and I, back at Forrester and Serious Decisions, we would always look for those social selling and employee advocacy advocates. So we would take advantage of those people who did come to us, the willing, the ones who did put in the work that asked us questions, the ones that attended all of the workshops, watched all of our training videos, they are the ones that influence their teammates more than us in the, at the, mar- in the marketing team. We're, maybe they don't trust that we're, we're trying to enable them. It, it's more of like they're looking to drive lead gen, but having those department or role advocates, that really drives it home for sure. So I'm glad that you brought that up, Jason. We definitely rely on those people a lot and ask them to, to advocate for social selling and, and employee advocacy. And the data, the numbers don't lie. The data doesn't lie. There is success there. There is leads driven and and communicate like really thoughtful communication between prospects and EAs happen. It's really exciting to see that in your LinkedIn feed, in your Twitter feed, having you know the sales team write you a nice email about you guys helped me like get drive this lead home or like you helped me make this, this sale. So there is a lot of power in in social media for sure.
0: Definitely. As you were talking there, I was thinking about Maybe, maybe a good Christmas gift this year would be for some of our, uh, employee advocacy advocates would be a t-shirt that says like i'm an advocate for employee advocacy maybe making it into a little that. bit of a prize or a game or something that's a free idea there
1: send one to me and Claire please yeah absolutely i will do uh,
0: you you mentioned uh, earlier some of the uh, kind of practical skills that are required by employees to have the best chance of success when it comes to employee advocacy so an up to date social profile a professional And let's be careful to hear with the use of the word professional, not necessarily formal headshot. You can can have a bit of personality is my opinion Mm -hmm. in in, in the profile pictures you choose to use. Mm -hmm. Are there any other kind of practical skills that you'd be looking for in, in the candidates that you'd be looking to bring onto an EA campaign?
1: Sure. So I think that it's, I don't necessarily think this is a skill, but I think it's important to, to kind of find, to kind of develop a content strategy. So, And you can start slow there. It doesn't have to be all business. Talk about a book that you read, listening to a webinar, share some key takeaways there. You could look at an event hashtag or post a comment with that as well to kind of build that influence and that trust with your community. It doesn't have to be always connected to the brand. It's important to be authentic, be human, talk about your interests, talk about something interesting, reshare some news stories that you want to comment on and be consistent and be authentic and stay um, on top of what your marketing team is developing. If you're advocating for your company, make sure that you're aligned with the message in the post, the messaging in your post. And often you can repurpose content from the brand's social media channels. Um, and website to help you develop your messaging. So again, you don't have to start from scratch. There's content already there for you. Um, Just put your own spin on it, put your own voice in it, and just be authentic. I can't stress that enough. It's very obvious when someone's speaking as like a marketing mouthpiece to when they're actually being themselves in the tweet, and you can see their personality, and it doesn't look like it was just copy and pasted from a landing page or something like that so
0: Mm. it makes a lot of sense and I I can only talk from my personal experience I've never I don't think been part of a formal employee advocacy program myself but just building out my own kind of personal channels over the last year or so to your point about being authentic the day I stopped trying to emulate these kind of quote-unquote marketing thought leaders which I think a lot of people fall into the trap of, especially yeah. when they're trying to build a bit of a brand for themselves in the early days, it's natural. Like I'm not pointing a finger at anybody when, you, when you're starting out, it's normal to do that as you try and find sure. your voice. The day I, I stopped doing that and I started combining tweets about how, you know, fun and hard it is to be a parent alongside, you know, some of mm. the stuff I'm seeing in my professional life as a B2B marketer. Was the day that things started to really kind of click for me you know showing a little yeah. bit of that humanity that human side alongside your expertise it can go a really really long way
1: people love stories on social media too and to your point jason i think it's 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 just super important to just kind of let your guard down a little bit and it is intimidating to a degree to put yourself out there on a social media platform where millions of people can see your content. Um, sure. But <laughs> if you, but again, it's, it's at the same time, it's just a LinkedIn post. It's just a tweet or something like that. It has limited shelf life, but so don't be discouraged there, you know, sharing your story about your family and relating it back to the bit, to your, your professional life is exactly the type of messaging and content that your audience will like to see and they will read and they will engage and they'll be like, Jason, you know what? That's a great analogy. Like (laughs) uh, just from a father to father, you're more than just who you are as a professional. And it's important to show that now on social media because social media is here to stay. So just make sure that you, your social media persona matches who you are in both your personal life and your professional life. And to your point, you found that mix, that's the goal. So that's a good story.
0: <laughs> Great advice. One, one thing I have done in the past, and I'm sure you've done the same is I've I've been responsible for writing a social media policy for a brand. So, you know, a document which is designed to, on one hand, guide people on their use of personal social media in the context of, of an organization, but also, I guess, to act as a little bit of a safety blanket for the brand itself to ensure that if something does go wrong, there is something that they can refer back to. What's, your, what's been your experience with writing social media policies in the past? How do you ensure that they're being communicated effectively to your colleagues and how do you handle situations where things go a little bit astray?
1: Sure. So I think it's important to share the company's social media policy during every new employee's onboarding. Today, almost everyone has at least one personal social media account. So it's important for your employees to understand the company's policy to avoid that risk. Um, Sometimes it's not, oftentimes when I do see someone who shares maybe an infographic that is client only. This is back at Forrester. The intention there is obviously to just share how this great piece of thought leadership, but maybe that person doesn't understand that it's a client only offer and because you posted it, anyone can see it. It's it was what the intention was good, mm. but it's just kind of flagging those instances. And usually the employees like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And it's just one of those things that happen. I I don't think I've ever knock on wood come across an employee like actively proactively talking negatively about the company so that's that's a good thing but it does happen it happens way more i think in b2c companies but it's just social me- the social media policy is very important and needs to be recommunicated, probably on at least the um at least every six months, because social media is changing so so much and so often, especially with we're gonna with all of the iOS changes and we're going to be part of a cookie list world in a in in not in a couple years. so it's because of all these changes we'll we'll obviously make changes with the policy as well. So when those policies do change, I think it's important to post that on the internet, make sure you send out an internal email, maybe even have the employees have a sign off at the end because these trainings should be reinforced. The policy should be reinforced, even if it's just as a reminder. And let me think, what else? I guess that was it there. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're
0: okay. I'm I'm of the opinion that if we i'm sure you, you've been in this situation before where every couple of months you're being asked to sit down and do compliance training yeah. or cyber security training or any of these other training you know programs which are which are needed and relevant mm-hmm. um but equally social media is also needed and relevant because as you say yeah. if you publish something that is for customers eyes only or for the business's eyes only best case scenario It's a snafu, someone notices, they get taken down, you know, it won't happen again, no problem. Worst case scenario, I mean, I work in the world of sport. And, you know, for instance, if we're working with a client who has brand sponsorships for the association to to use their name, and then as as, as, as a B2B organization, we're going out, our employees are going out and perhaps promoting a major event that we're working on, or, you know, uh, a project that we've been a part of, that a brand, a consumer brand usually, has paid big dollars to to have that association with that sport entity, that's a huge commercial risk. And it's not outside the realms of possibility that that sport entity could then send a cease and desist to the the company over what is, again, a well-intentioned mistake. We spoke a little bit earlier on about this kind of confidence barrier that some employees can have when it comes to posting on social media, that you know i don't think i don't think necessarily that people don't want to be advocates for the brands they work for they just aren't sure on where to start and to the, to our point here you know what could potentially get them in trouble if they do something that perhaps falls outside the guidelines what advice would you have for the marketers listening to this podcast on how they can help their colleagues overcome this doubt in their ability to be effective advocates for the business
1: sure i think with with a doubt <laughs> also comes with it sounding very daunting. So <laughs> with those two things combined, it's it's definitely something you need to encourage and, and kind of show the value behind. So be ref- be resourceful. Again, ask your marketing and creative team for content or social media templates to help you share the brand's message. Again, you do not have to start from scratch. If you're a willing person, then just take advantage of the content that, that's already there. I said this before, but we're always super excited when someone in sales, especially, reaches out to us for social media content. And we will, don't be afraid to ask the social media team specifically, hey, what do you think about this tweet before you send it? That's totally fine. We get those types of um, messages all the time. And a lot of times people are like, oh, I didn't know we could come to you and ask. I didn't want to bother you. But hey, we rather make sure that the message that you're sending out aligns with the company's message rather than it something goes out and it's inaccurate or it comes off the wrong way. And then we kind of have to deal with that then. So just take advantage of your resources and your company's content.
0: Mm, great advice. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. most important things for any marketer who is, you know, running this kind of employee advocacy social selling campaign at whatever level it, it is mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the one thing that needs to be clear is where can someone go if they've got a question because mm-hmm. if you if you want nothing to happen, the quick way to do that is to not let people know where they can go if they've got a question because right these people are too busy they've got a lot of stuff on their plates. go back to my you know salesperson colleague example mm-hmm. earlier you know a lot of them did not want to do it because they've got too, too much other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. If, if it's too hard and they can't get an answer quick, they won't do it. So make it obvious yep. on who they need to go to, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to use your any of your internal messaging too. If you have Slack, just Slack your colleague really quick. And just even if it's a, a colleague, just to get that gut check before sending out a tweet. If you're just unsure, if you should press the send button, if the social media team isn't available at that time and you need a quick response, just, just run it by you know a colleague or your manager. Just get their thought if you're ever having that doubt.
0: Okay, what do you think is going to be the biggest change in how B two B companies market themselves over the next five years?
1: Yeah. So as we all know, um, influencer marketing is huge right now, and with all of the the privacy concerns and the uncertainty that comes around the cookie cookie list world that we're going to be in companies are going to rely more on individual influence. So your employees are going to be your key influencers for you. So develop that organic social selling strategy for your employees. It will be crucial in five years. So that would be my advice to kind of start thinking about that. Start, if you don't have a dedicated social selling or employee advocacy team, look into that. It's going to, it's going to be a worthwhile project because you'll be ready when that time comes. Your, a lot of times people trust people more than they trust a brand. So take advantage of, of that. So, you know, with, with an organic social selling strategy, you could really also just broaden the awareness of your brand, the engagement to your site, the traffic to your site, lead generation. It's worthwhile work. So that would be, that would be the biggest change, I think, in the next five years. And that's what companies should be focusing on, you know, the future of digital
0: And I suppose that is whether you are a huge B two B enterprise level organization or a kind of new kid on the block startup. Maybe even more so on that latter case because you may not have the huge budgets anyway right now to be throwing into paid. So yes, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. That's the our whole social selling initiative came from GDPR the answer to GDPR back, you know, a few years ago when we lost a lot of our European database and we needed to build that again. So we would develop content for our EMEA team to, to post our marketing content through their social media channels as a way to drive inbound leads, and it just grew from there so if that was a problem, when was that twenty eighteen you know it's still something we're we're working toward building out across across our the global team, and it 's something that i'm trying to kind of tell our clients, media associates, that they should start thinking about this as well. Because I don't necessarily think that it's top of mind yet for a lot of companies, but it's going to be here sooner than we think.
0: (laughs) Just like GDPR. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So that's what we learned through GDPR. And I think the same thing is going to apply as, you know, privacy concerns only increase and just the uncertainty of tracking in the future. Mm, Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Katie, this has been a masterclass on employee advocacy (laughs) and bringing your colleagues up to speed on, on what it is and how they can be effective at it. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they reach out to you if they've got any more questions on employee advocacy?
1: Sure. So the best place to reach me is through my LinkedIn. So you can find me on Katie Cacciani on LinkedIn. There's not many Caccianis out there, so you'll find me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll drop a link to your LinkedIn in the description of this episode, but otherwise, Katie, thank you so much for being a guest on B2B Better. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Thank you, Jason.
0: That's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you've enjoyed it, you can check out my previous episodes via the link in the description. Or if you fancy getting a nice hot steaming mug of B2B marketing advice on how to build an audience for your brand, you can sign up to my newsletter, The B2B Byte, which goes out every Monday. I'll drop the link to that also in the description of this episode. See you next time.